everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, and with me as always is Matt Patrick, and we have a special guest today. Uh, joining us from Duncan Williams Asset Management here in the Memphis area is David Scully. David is the president and chief investment officer of Duncan Williams Asset Management. has been with that team since they've been around, and uh, even really with Duncan Williams, Inc. Uh, before that. So David, I really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Uh, really looking forward to having a conversation with you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Matt, thank you both for having me on. Absolutely. David, give us a rundown of, of what you do. You know, we can always talk about titles, president, chief investment officer, head honcho, whatever you want to call yourself. Give me an idea of what you what your kind of week, normal week looks like. Sure. Um, you guys got a, got a pretty good feel because of your roles in your, in your company. Uh, but as president, um, I, I wear a bunch of different Right, and on a, on a maybe not a daily basis, but sort of on a weekly basis, do a little bit of compliance and a little bit of marketing, uh, a little bit of the the CFO type work. Uh, I remain the, the chair of our investment committee, and so you know we're, we're not a, a huge company, so I, I touch just about every part of it, sort of on a weekly basis. But what I found now, uh, currently, right, is I spend whatever extra time, right, to the extent that anybody has extra time, on the things that I. I believe our greatest needs and for us to go from where we are now to where we expect to be in the next couple several years um a lot of it is, is uh, increasing revenue and so i spend a significant portion of my time being involved in the sales process to, to help us identify and potentially bring in um, new clients out of all the things that you get to do on a daily basis what's your what's your favorite to focus on yeah it's actually it's funny because um you know my background is as an investment analyst Originally, uh, before I was even at Duncan Williams, uh, studied for the, the CFA designation and made kind of this career, you know, 12, 15 years doing mutual fund and separate kind of research. Uh, but I, I found since Duncan asked me to sit in the, the bigger chair that uh, I actually enjoy the human interaction a lot more. And, um, and it's good because I'm spending my extra time uh, interacting with people and sales stuff. But I, I find that that's the really it's the the most fun, the most rewarding part of my job these days. So you've been with the Duncan Williams Group now for uh, for about nine years, almost nine years. I think you said tomorrow is that nine year your mark. Uh, walk me through how you got connected with that group and how like what turned into coming up with Duncan Williams Asset Management. What that spinoff looked like. Sure. Um. So I'll try and keep the story long because I mean keep it not long because it could be a long. <laughs> Um, so, you know, rewind, I guess about 11 years ago, uh, and I was engaged and my wife and I, my current wife, now, but same, same woman, um, we moved to Atlanta to stay. I, we both had worked with Morgan Keegan. I took a job with a division of Morgan Keegan in Atlanta and we moved there. So we spent a year there. We were engaged. We got married in Memphis. But while we lived in Atlanta, then we lived in Atlanta for another year. So we spent two years in Atlanta. But but about that time, nine years ago, uh, we both thought we might like to grow our family. And her parents were in Memphis and my parents were in Memphis. And the grandparents down the road instead of hundreds of miles away appealed to us. And so we started trying to figure out how to get back. And so at the time, uh, in Memphis, uh, Morgan Keegan was uh, was for sale. Right? It was you know, widely known. There were different rumors about who was going to be. We didn't, we didn't know at the time it was going to be Rep. James. But uh, Duncan and his team of advisors thought that, that was going to create a void in Memphis 
for a full service investment advisory firm. And why couldn't that be us? In fact, that should be us. And so uh, coinciding with that timing, they took what was Duncan Williams Inc. just a broker dealer and they added the RIA, the, the registered investment advisor to it became a duly registered firm and started the private client group. And so in building out that private client group, it was, it was you know, a couple of times in my career, uh, right place, right time, I'd rather be lucky than good. Um, they brought me on uh, to help build that out, which was a great opportunity for me because instead of inheriting um, a, a list of mutual funds that have been built over a couple of decades or a, uh, allocation models that had, you know, a 10-year track record that, that I didn't really have any fingerprints on. It was something we had to build from scratch. And so it was a really exciting time. Um, we, we brought on a bunch of really good people. Uh, but the plan was always, once this division, this private client group, got strong enough to stand on its own, we're going to spin it. And so in April of, of 2015, April 1st, right, so tomorrow is going to be our, our six-year anniversary, um, they decided to spin us out and uh, and we became our own. Basically, we tore the duly registered firm apart. We took the RIA and, and made that Duncan Williams Asset Management. We left the broker dealer and that remained uh, Duncan Williams Inc. Very good. That was six years ago. So over this past six years, you've been responsible for building this thing. Um, what are some of the, the highlights and lowlights of the past six years to get you to the day? Yeah, so um, so it's it's been uh, we we laugh about it now some because we feel like over the past year and a half, maybe two years, we've really hit this critical mass where we've got a what is now undeniably a successful company, which we always thought it was gonna be, but you know, you guys know because you started the company. The the first several years, that's the I mean, it's always hard work, but that's extra hard work. <laughs> And so, you know, when we first spun out, we had just enough in assets, so we had to we could register with the SEC instead of the individual stage. You got to have this hundred million dollar threshold, which which really is a very big RIA in the grand scheme of things. And so, you know, how we grew that, and you know, what our average client looked like when we first started, we just barely kind of had a foothold in the retirement plan space, and to where we are now, and, and some of the. Some of the wins we've had along the way is the, the ways that we've been able to um, add and, and build our team in a way that uh, really suits us well. And um, just, just seeing it grow, I mean, in particular, right, so we've got a document that we've got to file with the SEC every year. And, and this document, uh, we report a bunch, whole bunch of information about the company. Uh, but one of the key pieces is what do you advise in assets? And so, you know, usually this document gets um, – you start working on January, you file it around this time each year. And so uh, when we were in 2019, putting our end of the year 2018 numbers in there, we were at like $185 million in assets. And so, you know, that, that going from 100 to 185 took three years and it's been a grind. Well, well all of a sudden we, we just caught this accelerant. So a year later, and when we're filing in 2020, uh, we were at 312, 315 million. And so then we, we go through the coronavirus year, uh, but we had a couple really nice things happen during the year and some, some hard work and some long sales cycles that finally paid off. And so we just filed the ADV for this year, uh, maybe a week or two ago at uh, 635 million. And so we're seeing wow. kind of starting to see this exponential growth. And, you know, in a year that was really tough for a lot of people from a business standpoint, 
you know, essentially any way you can measure it for us, we're, we're setting new records for you're up four X and, and, and that type of stuff. You're up four X in two years. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's been uh, it's during been, a pandemic, which is awesome. Right. <laughs> you got that's that great. It's turned, man. That's, that's, that's really good to hear. It's always here to, uh, good to hear stories of, of, of businesses, you know, especially in all the difficulties that we're facing right now, um, you know, succeeding. So yep. that's, that's really exciting. Um, I know that you spend time, like you mentioned earlier, uh, going and talking to prospects, you know, whether it's um, individual people or, or business owners or leaders, whoever it may be. As you're out there talking to people about um, retirement plan administration or investing in general, whatever it may be, what are some of the things that you're, um, you're having to overcome and, and get that, that prospect to understand about what services that you guys provide and the value that you're bringing to the table versus you know, they, they could do something on their own or with maybe uh, one of your competitors. Yeah, so there's um, several different ways to answer a question like this. I, I will tell you that most of the decision-making, really whether whether we're talking about an individual or the board for a nonprofit organization or you know, a group of decision-makers for, um, for a small or mid-sized business, almost always comes down to relationship, right? And so you know, we, we find often uh, part of our process is we'll ask someone or uh, an organization if we can do an analysis on how they're currently invested and compare that with maybe their investment policy statement if they have one, how they think that, how, they, how they're supposed to be invested. And so when we go through this, you know, very simplistically, right, it's a complex process, but on a, on a, on a simple level, what we hope to do is come back with suggestions and say, look, if you'll do these things, um, it's going to save you money, right? You're we're going to reduce your total fees. We're also going to improve the historical performance and what we think going forward of the investments themselves. Right? We've got CFA, CFP designation holders. We do the really in-depth research, or not just research, it's investment research. Um, second, we're going to reduce the risk. And on a retirement plan, maybe that's being uh, you know, taken on more of the fiduciary responsibility instead of the company. We're going to reduce the risk. And then finally, we're going to increase the service, right? And so we can, we can quantify all of these and say, here's the differences, and here's why we think you should do it. And, and when we have that second meeting to present our analysis, it usually goes one of two ways. They either say, this sounds great, let's do it. Or, thank you guys so much. Like, obviously, you're competent. You've done hard work here. And that's much appreciated. But our existing relationship is so strong that we couldn't possibly disrupt that at this point. But when the time comes you guys will be among our first calls, which is fine with us because, um, you know, it doesn't come across a podcast necessarily, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm 38 and I'm the second oldest person that works here. Right? We've got an average age that's low 30s. And, um, and we're, we're, we're in a position where it's very easy for us to be patient with, um, you know, if now wasn't the right time in three years or five years down the road is, well, well that's fine. We're not retiring in three or five years. We'll, we'll be right in the middle of the prime of our careers. So we've got this sweet spot where we've uh, we've all been working together for about 10 years. Uh, we've got this average age that's kind of low, but this average experience that's you know double digits, right? I've, you know, I've been working in the industry for um, for coming up on 17 years, um, and so it's a nice combination of uh, you know you're not too close to retirement, but you've got enough experience where this is something to do yesterday. Okay, how many people are on your team? So um, it's like, it looks different depending on your perspective. Now we've got uh, 
to, as a straightforward answer, we've got nine full-time employees, but um, we've got actually closer to 15 team members. And, and so we have a, a, a unique structure. Well, maybe it's not so, but we've got a, a structure that's not super common and that we, uh, we have a services agreement with Duncan Williams, right? And so this is something that we put in place when we first spun out six years ago, where uh, essentially, you know, for a small, what we consider ourselves to be a startup company, um, it didn't make sense for us to have our own chief compliance officer, a marketing director, an IT director, a CFO, and a general counsel, right? We're not a big enough company to have um, those types of positions that would, you know, typically command a higher compensation on the size spread that we work. Uh, but Duncan Williams, Inc. is. And so um, what we did is we, we agreed to where we were going to essentially rent time from some of their employees. This is what we've been doing for the past six years. Um, that's probably something that's changing in the not too distant future. But as it stands right now today, nine full-time W-2 employees and then these other um, five individuals that, that perform services for our company and for our clients, but are, are technically uh, not, not employed at the firm. And then, uh, of course, uh, Duncan would be our 16th, yeah. our board chair and other. We will count him on our, our team for sure. Yeah, we don't want to sign some of the checks. That's right. That's, right. That's a really smart way to grow, though, because you, you recognize that you have these needs for these different positions, but at the same time, you also know that you don't have the, the cash flow to you know, put those in an FTE, you know, right now. So it was a really, that's a really smart way to handle that whenever you do have those resources at, I'll say the parent level um, to be able to swoop in and, and, and kind of fill those gaps. Yeah, yeah, no way. We're really fortunate to, um, to be in a position where that was an option for us. Um, and and it's, it doesn't have to be an either or. It's not have a full-time chief compliance officer or rent time for a compliance officer at, you know, the, the firm you spun out of. There are a third party, you know, outsourced stuff. But um, for us, you know, we had worked together with the folks at Duncan Williams Inc. for, in my case, three years, for some of these folks, five, seven years. Um, they knew who we are, what we were doing, and what our brand was, and what our, you know, what our personalities are. And so it was a very easy, uh, relatively seamless fit for us to go that direction. Yeah, that's, I would admit, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. So, how many times whenever you know you're out in public and people hear all right david's here david's a finance guy how many times do you get the question all right what's the hot stock tip of the day you know tell me where to put my money how many times do you get that question oh you know it used to be all the time right with coronavirus we haven't been out and about it you know the, the social settings quite as often um it, you know it's, it's uh it's funny the question rotates and so we've started talking about we're going to maybe start doing some. We haven't done it yet. You guys do a better job than we do on this. But on social media, start. we might start recording kind of these like two-minute videos. And, you know, if you rewind over the past month, we might say, okay, um, we're going to do a two-minute video on GameStop, right? Yeah. We, we got the GameStop question a million times. And then we'll do another video on um, Bitcoin. And, um, you know, I bought both of those things recently. Right? We get those <laughs> questions a lot. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we try to anticipate some stuff, but, you know, we, like we get together, we meet as a team and, you know, we find that people are getting the same questions uh, pretty frequently. I'll tell you what, what I get seemingly um, just as often, uh, you guys know, but, um, you know, our mission statement at Duncan Williams Asset Management is serve our clients, improve our community. 
and that improve the community piece is something we feel like we need successful support. The Williams family has been invested in the community. They want to hire people that also feel called to serve civically. Um, you know, we do service projects, whatever. And so, but, but me personally, I serve on a, a couple of different boards and, um, you know, anytime you serve on a board and you guys get this too. Can help you us raise some money. That, well, yeah, <laughs> raise money, but also, um, you know, the, the nonprofits think if you are anything to do with money, you should be our treasurer and share. Our <laughs> Correct. Right? No, if and you're an it, accountant, it's almost a guarantee that oh, you might as right. well just put yourself on the, as a treasurer. Well, it's, it's the worst me, role. They, to, it's the worst. Well, they make no, the, there's no difference in their mind between ATM repairman and hedge fund manager. You deal right. with money, you are going to be our, right. like, I'll do it, but I, I want to be clear. I have an economics degree in the School of Arts and Science. I didn't even have to take undergrad accounting. You are not getting a good accountant as your treasurer. Yeah. Well, as the accountant, the last thing I want to do when I join a board, well, there's two things. I don't want to raise money, and I don't want to be the accountant at the board. I just That's want to, right. you know, I want to serve. I, I don't mind, you know, if it's at a, I've been a member of a couple different ones, and it's always like, yeah, I just, I just want to show up to the events and help you guys. You know, if you need an extra set of hands or a guy to move stuff, that's what I want to do. I don't want to go raise funds and I don't want to do your monthly financial statement. I don't want to do that at all. Yeah. So. No. Now for me, it's funny. I own my, my dad is a professional fundraiser. And oh. so, you know, <laughs> well, so he, um, you know, he started at Grace St. Luke's and he got in the advancement office there and helped them raise some money at the school. And then he ended up at uh, Christian Brothers University and was uh, the vice president of institutional advancement, which was just, and fundraiser. And then about 17 years ago, we started working for a company called Compass Group. And what they do is um, help nonprofits, usually with their capital campaigns, but help teach nonprofits how to raise money. And so I grew up, you know, we're at the dinner table, we're talking about feasibility studies, yeah. like different tactics and strategies on raising money. And so between that and then my job being to talk to people about their money, I'm very comfortable with it. So literally, Every board I've ever served on, I have charity development. But, but I like it. So it's, you know, it's, yeah. It's one of those. I'm going to count it. I want to be introverted. I don't want to be the one that has to call about raising money. So I'm glad there's people out there that like to do that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm always interested in, in the story. So obviously, first of all, let's, you know, who's your ideal fit? Like what, if you're looking for like, you know, if you're saying this is my ideal fit customer, what is that really looking for for you guys? So, um, we have really three types of clients that we work with. And, and for us, the first, that's uh, the bulk of our business by number of accounts and by revenue is the individual. And so, you know, when we first spun out, we were smaller. Um, this, this relationship was a little bit smaller. As we've gotten bigger, we've, we've kind of moved up more. And that's consistent across all three of these client types. But still, the, the average client for us on the individual side really kind of looks like the Dave Ramsey Miller in the store. Usually it's a married couple. They've been saving for, you know, maybe 25, 30 years. They've got three accounts. It's his IRA and her IRA and the joint account. And you add it all up and it's, you know, about $850,000, you know, kind of on average. Uh, we have been moving up a little bit there in, in kind of market size. And so, um, you know, we're, we're starting to get a handful of these uh, kind of outsourced family offices, uh, you know, a, a group of related people that have kind of you know, 10, 12, 20 million dollars. But uh, the bulk of what we do is still kind of this, you know, almost millionaire that's been saving for a while. That's on the individual side. 
on um, on the retirement plans, you know, we've, we've, this is actually the bulk of our business if you're going just by assets, it's smaller margin, so it's not uh, as, to us, not as profitable as working with individuals just because the way you charge fees on these things. But, um, you know, uh, towards the end of last year, we crossed over the 100 plan mark. We're working with uh, about 105 local companies and organizations on the retirement plans, whether it's 401k, 403b, 457, 401a, if your employer uh, has a plan and it helps employees save money for the retirement, we'll give advice on that. Again, we've been moving up more. When we first spun out, we had you know maybe four or five plans. Uh, it was about 4% of our total business. Today, it's about 35, 36% of our total revenue makes up almost two thirds of our assets. We've got about $400 million in, in retirement plan assets. And so again, moving up market there, right? Uh, I wanna be clear that we have no minimum account size. Um, when we spun out of Duncan Williams Inc., we, we made the very conscious and intentional decision that we wanna be the, the registered investment advisor for the city of Memphis, not for the city of Memphis uh, wealthy elite. And so we have a lot of people that have you know, an account with $8,000 and $12,000. We, we work with uh, nonprofit organizations when they get their first donation to establish um, an operating reserve or an endowment. We, we work with companies on startup plans. Now, yes, about our, ide our ideal client, we're finding there's really a sweet spot in the retirement plan space around kind of between 10 and $20 million. There are plans that, that are big enough to where they, um, they usually have a lot of employees. They need a lot, but they're coming from a place where they usually haven't been serviced that well. Um, the, the Memphis market in our space is, uh, is competitive, but we've got, we've got a, a pretty serious edge on a lot of folks that, that try to do the retirement plan business in town. And so those kind of mid-sized retirement plans is a place where we've really done well. And then um, last one's the um, nonprofit organizations, endowments, foundations. And, and again, moving up market here where, you know, our, our sweet spot's probably you know, between five and 15 on, um, on endowment money. Um, all, those all, you know, those all come from probably different channels of your marketing efforts, right? So, oh, yes. yeah. And so, um, that's where I'm, this is my business. I'm putting my business owner hat on here. Just understanding you guys have done a wonderful job of really getting plugged into the community and staying plugged in. And you're always at, you know, every, every both charitable event, but also every other employer focused event kind of how do you split your time up and how do you decide what you want to be active with? Sure. So, um, so uh, first, we are very intentional about our strategic partnerships. And you, you can kind of, you can just you can split that up to a couple of different things. But, um, you know, let's take uh, retirement plan business. For example. Usually at a smaller, mid-size, even a larger company, we start, you know, we've got you know, our biggest plans got north of $100 million in it. Um, the decision makers, usually a, a CFO, maybe an HR director, maybe it's the owner, maybe it's the CEO, but the person that makes decisions about your retirement plan is usually, not always, but usually is the same person that makes a decision about your health insurance. And it's the same person that makes a decision about who's going to do the audit. And it's the same person that makes a decision about who are we going to hire for outside counsel if something goes wrong with benefits or whatever. 
And so we've been very intentional in, in developing and maintaining relationships with um, accounting firms and with insurance firms and with, you know, in our case, uh, third-party administrators, TPAs, with uh, record keepers, with uh, ERISA attorneys. And so, you know, when I say being intentional about these strategic partnerships, a lot of folks um, can identify what I'm just identifying. That's easy, right? It's, you know, hey, you've got clients that you can introduce me to. I've got clients you can introduce me to. We should do that. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But then there's no follow-up. Like, it doesn't happen the way that it's supposed to happen. And so uh, one of the things we do- No, that never happens. I don't know what you're talking about. That's all <laughs> uh, I, should, I should also mention uh, payroll providers. We've got a- Yeah, relationship it, you know, just saying. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we try to uh, very intentionally uh, have a coffee or a lunch or go grab a drink after work or whatever on a monthly basis. And we're very open. We say, Here's, here are the introductions that we can make. And help me understand how you, strategic partner, value clients. For us, um, maybe it's about the uh, the size. Like very simplistically, again, the size of a plan. Right? Typically, we'll, we'll we'll make more money on a fifteen million dollar plan than we will on a five million dollar plan. Right. For a TPA, it's about the the number of participants. They don't care how many how much assets there are. They'd rather have a plan with two hundred participants than one with with twenty, regardless of what the assets are. And so we help identify where the most valuable introductions are. We make them, and then there's a, a reciprocity. And it's not it's not thirty at a time. It's two at a time. It's three at a time. You make three introductions, and then we'll get back together four weeks from now and check, kind of compare notes on how they went. It's been something that's really has worked well for us. And so that's um, that's that's helped you know the strategic partnerships that drive business now. On the nonprofit side, right? You know, you mentioned that uh, you know it seems like we're involved with a lot of the different uh, events that go on in town, and, and and so there's there's a couple different layers to that as well, right? So I, I think I mentioned earlier our mission statement, sort of our clients improve our community. That improve our community piece is something that comes from the Williams family. Um, I've heard Duncan say uh, often that he believes that the difference between good cities and great cities is a commitment to the arts. And so that, his belief there is why you see us um, involved with Live at the Garden, at the Memphis Panic Gardens, the Indie Memphis Film Festival, you know, is establishing itself as a, a national presence, maybe even an international, internationally known festival. Um, the Germantown Performing Arts Center is, is bringing in uh, acts from all over the country, really all over the world that are, uh, that are absolutely world-class. So to be able to, to be a part of bringing that type of stuff to Memphis and to the Mid-South is something that's going to make our uh, city better. So uh, it's easy for us to be involved in those types of things. Um, you know, when we're, when we're trying to be true to our mission, improve our community, you know, we, we on a quarterly basis, we're doing service projects. We're at an Ave Maria home playing Jeopardy with seniors, and we paint the Christmas ornaments with uh, the, the kids at Madonna Learning Center. We're cleaning the venta hoods in the kitchen at the church health center and planting trees at the shelf farms. Um, we do all those things, but the most efficient way for us to improve our community is to identify organizations that are already doing good work in our community and do the things that we can to help them achieve their mission, either on a larger scale or, or more easily or efficiently. That's awesome. I, I, I think, you know, I, lo I love your marketing strategy. I mean, I think it is marketing, but also it's just doing the right things the right way. And it's, it, it comes across that way. It doesn't come across as a sales pitch. It comes across as 
we want to be an active participant in the community and it's just you guys have done a great job at that it's something we i've noticed anyway man they really are super active and 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 in the places they should be at which i, which I really i like you know, we talk a lot on uh, both our podcast and internally in our company about value to really driving the bus you have to have really clear well-defined you know strongly communicated values that does come across clear you mentioned your mission statement serving your clients and improving your community you guys from my perspective you guys live that out really well yeah i agree um, the, the groups that you do choose to get involved in the the stuff that you don't even market but but is happening behind the scenes uh it's really neat to see it's, you know as a lifelong nympian um, anybody that's willing to invest in the community, that's that's a great thing. And you guys do that really well. Thank you. Yep. Much appreciate. I'll, I'll be sure to pass that on to uh, Duncan and Gary Linderman as our director of marketing. Uh, but to, to tell the company secret, uh, Duncan himself is a marketing major. So. <laughs> that makes sense. That is. Though. <laughs> that is. Um, so, you know, Obviously, we you know we we are both a, a customer, and we are a um, referral partner or a, a partner, a strategic partner, and then you know we have um, a lot of mutual clients that we both serve. You know, I'll, I'll pat you guys on the back a little bit. What I like about it more than anything is you guys do a great job of staying connected with our team and making taking great care of our customers, but also at the same time. Um, you're introducing us to the right people. You don't just give us, you know, you know, not everybody has an, is an ideal fit and you know that, and we recognize that and that makes it really easy for us to work together. Um, and you've done a great job of connecting with our team. So I just, you know, want to say thanks. That's right. No, no, much appreciated uh, this side too. Um, you know, one of the things that is most important to us when evaluating a, a, a potential strategic partner is the confidence that we have and that partner organization to make us look good, right? If we send somebody over to a strategic partner and mess something up, that reflects poorly on us. And so I'm, I'm happy to, I'm sure you know from our relationship with some of, some of your, some of the folks that report to you, you guys have always done a fabulous job with folks that we've been able to send over on the payroll side and the accounting side. And so uh, it's much appreciated this way. Yep. Happy to do it. That's uh, definitely mutually, uh, mutually uh, beneficial because I know I, I, I deal with Patrick a good bit uh, and anybody that I ever send, Hey, you need to meet with Patrick. He's going to take great care of you over at Duncan Williams asset management. And um, he does, he stays on top of it. He responds well, he gets answers. Uh, really, really great to work with uh, that organization, right. your organization as a, as a whole. It's all because so, of his leadership. I'm sure right. <laughs> we won't give Patrick a big head. Everything rises and falls on leadership, right? That's right. That's what they say. All right. Well, Falls on leadership for sure. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of rolls downhill, they say. I think it's the saying goes, but um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, that's right. As you guys look out for you know five, 10 years, uh, especially coming out post COVID, or at least maybe getting close to post COVID <laughs> uh, here in 2021, uh, you know, where do you think where do you think the future is going to take you guys? Yep. So, um, short term goals. Uh, I don't know this to be a fact, right? I can't ever remember reading it anywhere, but uh, at least urban legend in our industry uh, was the, the, the fastest firm in Memphis history to get to a billion dollars in assets under advisement was one that did it in, in 10 years. And if we stay on our trajectory, we should beat that. Like I said, I don't know if that's true. We might've just made that up to, to motivate ourselves, 
<laughs> but um, in the short term, we expect to cross over the billion dollar threshold, and that would put us among the actually the larger of the investment advisory firms in Memphis. And so uh, we're excited about that. Um, looking out further, um, you know, we're still a pretty good way from saturating uh, the business in, in Memphis. But at some point, it seems like we are likely to expand outside of just Memphis. Now, there's there's some natural geographies that will make sense for us. Uh, you know, Mississippi is an area, uh, a state that that has a lot of familiarity with, with the Duncan Williams name. Duncan Williams Inc. for the past you know, 20 plus years has been the number one underwriter of municipal bonds in Mississippi. So if you are a, uh, a CFO of a municipality or a hospital administrator, you probably already heard of Duncan Williams. And so, you know, whether we open an office in Oxford or Tupelo or Jackson, uh, somewhere like that maybe uh, makes sense. Uh, we also would look at some point at Alabama, uh, Duncan's a, uh, a graduate of Alabama. We've got a notable client base in Birmingham already. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, I know. It's been, it's been a Georgia guy. Don't, don't feel too bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, a Georgia guy, so you, could, you shouldn't be doing that. But anyway. That's right. Uh, we um, All of a sudden, we're picking up some business in Knoxville. And so there's a, there's a scenario where we hang shingle in Knoxville at some point. Uh, all of this is kind of the chicken or the egg. Right, you know, take Knoxville, for example. Do we wait until we've got enough business that justifies an office there? Or do we say, well, look, if we open an office there, that would accelerate the, the amount of business that's coming over. And so, you know, where's, where's that kind of, where, where's the tipping point on where we decide to go ahead and do it? Um, these things are, are probably not things that we're going to pursue in 2021. But 2022 is, is a maybe, and, and honestly, I think I might even be surprised if by 2023 or 2024 we didn't have a, at least a second office somewhere. Um, it's really important, and you guys will know this, that in opening additional offices or bringing people over um, to, to work in those offices, that we preserve our culture. And so it's hard to do to take, you know, maybe a team that's in Tupelo uh, that's been working for, you know, whoever, a Merrill Lynch or something. So yeah. hey, we want to bring your team over to open the Dr. Williams office here. And, and they don't, they don't have any experience uh, working in our environment. Like how would we, how would we get the same culture there? So there's, there's some challenges to it uh, to make sure that we do things the right way. Uh, but, but we've always thought that, uh, that growth is not necessarily the goal, right? You know, some people get in their head that a, a company with uh, 300 employees is better than a company with it can be, uh, but we, we're, not, we're not looking to grow just for growth's sake. We want to do it very measured and intentionally and strategically. But I, I think that, um, you know, if you're looking five years down the road, we probably have, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly we hope to have crossed the billion dollar threshold. Uh, but then in addition to that, to maybe have, um, you know, a bigger team and some additional offices. You're going to start dominating the SEC states. That's right. That's right. Make it uh, set it up really easy to where I can just travel around and watch Georgia's. Uh, oh, you have to buy a big RV if that happens. Just, this is part of the requirements. Right. Um, with the new administration comes some changes. What are you guys kind of on the outlook side of things looking like as far as market, but also just kind of regulatory compliance, any kind of changes that are happening there that, you, you know, yeah, I mean, some of it is still kind of wait and see. I mean, a lot of it got talked about a lot leading up to November. Um, and there was like kind of a high level feel that, you know, if, um, if Trump gets reelected, that's good for the economy. And if Biden gets elected, that's bad for the economy. 
Um, it, it's not it's not as clear cut. It's never as clear cut as that. Right. But uh, specifically with the my administration, some of the stuff they talked about leading up to the election, and has continued to talk about. You know, I think the infrastructure plan uh, it got revealed recently or about to today. Um, you know, it's it's going to be an area where certain sectors and then those companies within those sectors are positioned to do well, right? If they have a robust infrastructure plan, then that helps uh, industries like materials and maybe even energy. Um, there, there'll be some, some uh, tailwinds for stuff like that. Now, um, also there's the threat of additional regulation, right? And so, you know, if the previous administration had said, you know, we're gonna get kind of <laughs> lax on pollution and some of this stuff, and they tighten those things up, well, that, that will have, that'll create headwinds. Not for everybody, but for some companies, and and you know some of that regulation we're talking about is going to finance industry as well, um, and so additional regulation typically not great for business. Uh, if they if they pull back some of these tax cuts, um, that's typically not good for business. But you know, tax and spend, right? If they're going to pump uh, you know 1.3 trillion dollars into the economy, that's I mean that's good, right? So yeah. it's it's um. There's more to it than just like, hey, things are bad. Go put your money under a mattress. Um, you just you more than ever, it feels like you want to be really intentional about the things that you're investing, and not not just you know, dumping money on the stock market, but knowing what you own and why you own it. The market's it. still just you know, in theory. I mean, if you look over the last 18 months, even with you know the pandemic going on, the markets just keep going up and up and up. Yeah, yeah. It's leveled yeah, out in the last 90 days or so, but for the most part, I mean, it's just been blowing and going. Well, I mean, you know, we uh, <laughs> we charge our fees uh, on a quarterly basis in advance. <laughs> we keep a really good handle on how does, you know, here we are, we, we'll, we'll submit billing tomorrow. And so, you know, we, we've got a pretty good field of that. The market's actually been up this quarter, right? So equities, there's, um, there's been a week here or there where it peeled off and got some headlines, but overall, you know, if you just threw your money in the S&P 500 90 days ago and you close your eyes, you, like you're, you're opening them today and you're happy. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to give wholesale advice on that. You know, every situation is unique. Uh, oh, yeah. But typically, right, at a very high level, if, if, you're, if your time horizon is distant, right, if you're 10, 20 years out, right, we're talking about if you're, you know, if you're in your 40s and we're talking about your retirement plan money, stay invested, right? You're not going to look back 20 years from now and say, man, I just missed that dip in uh, <laughs> June of, of 2021. Like, I, I really, I could have retired about six years early. No, nah, you won't, right? Just stay the course. Now, as that time horizon gets closer, regardless of what you think might happen in the market between now and then, it's time to get more conservative. Right. If, if you think you want to retire in two years, well, you can't have all your money on black, right? You, you gotta, <laughs> you need to um, have, you know, exposure to things that have less volatility and lower risk, and, and have a portfolio to where if next year is the next 2008, you still can retire when you want to because you didn't lose 40 percent of your money. And so that's, um, like I said, everything is very specific. People have different objectives, liquidity requirements, uh, different feelings about risk and all that. But, uh, but generally speaking, that's all. Uh, that's what we're talking. You know, and just in my my mind, with all the spending going on, I'm, I'm a little concerned about inflation long term. But we, I mean, we're at negative rates right now, or essentially negative rates. So it's kind of hard to know where things yeah. are going. I mean, inflation could be an issue at some point. Feels like you know, probably not this year, probably not the next couple of years. Um, 
a lot of money you know, flowing in the market. Yeah, uh, you know, everybody would love to see you know ten-year municipal bond yielding five percent, but nobody wants to go through the pain to get there. <laughs> That's a big um, gap between where they are now and that. So, oh uh, yeah, hey, no doubt. Um, but it's funny, you know, like if you go back years ago, decades ago, when uh, when you had those type of yields, um, it was like it was still hard to sell those. Like the people didn't just say five. Five percent, I'll lock that in for the rest of my life, um, which is what you might say now. If all of a sudden, <laughs> come off of that team, um, because there there will be other. There will There's be still other a gap to, between that number and what they think they can get somewhere else. That's right. So. That's right. That's right. So, um, so we'll see. I, you know, we, and the way that we're positioning portfolios with in, inflation concerns or something we pay attention to, but it's not it's not probably the primary driver of how we're moving stuff around. It's fun. Yeah, well, and David, these are all the things that uh, that are what you help people with every day. Uh, conversations that you're always ready to have and eager to have and uh, have with all your customers. And so if, if we have listeners out there that uh, have listened to this and they're interested in hearing more from you, getting in touch, uh, how can we find you? Sure. Um, so we're, we're all over social media and uh, we, we've got a new website that I think might be rolling out tomorrow it's going to be very soon with the uh, with the with the anniversary coming up here um websites www.dwassetmgmt.com which i know is kind of a mouthful um anybody that wants to can obviously email me directly uh the emails are, are simple it's just david at our website by dwassetmgmt.com um, we've, we've got a Twitter handle and an Instagram account, Facebook account, LinkedIn, all that's pretty easy to find. It's, just, it's probably easier just to, you know, throw Duncan Williams asset management in the, in the search windows there. Um, and then if you wanted to call, it's a 901-435-4175. Excellent. Well, David, I really appreciate you taking the time too. Uh, out of your day to, to join us. It's always fun to, to catch up and, Hear what's going on over at, at Duncan Williams Asset Management. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, too. Absolutely. If you guys are Thanks out there you. listening and uh, you have questions or want to get in touch with David, he just gave you the contact details. Hit him up. Go try to crash their website. Uh, we got something new coming up. So let's, uh, let's go find all the bugs for him uh, and, yeah. and, and help him out. Um, but thank you guys for, for joining us today, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify pod, uh, podcast. Uh, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to this podcast, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to us. Hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks.